Welcome to the Humanizing the Badge podcast. My name is Kevin. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm Red. And I'm Elizabeth. And there you have it. At least four of us. We're not all here, I guess, but most of us are here, I think, right? Yeah, yeah we're missing LT and Millie, but for the most part, we're all here. All right. And this is the first time uh, our voices are being broadcast out onto the internet superhighway for all to hear. How do y'all feel about that? I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> but why? I, I don't know. I think I'll feel better as we get going. It's new territory for me. Well, if you want, we can make a text version of the podcast. That way people can read what you say, like you're more used to. Oh, yeah. Can I edit it if I make a mistake? Yeah, you can edit out all the weird things you say. It'll be great. <laughs> Yeah, we'll to- we'll totally take away all the creep factor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna Thanks be back. awesome. So, so I'm just not gonna be in it, right? Then I guess. Oh, you there you are, right there. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop off here, you guys. <laughs> well, you can't drop <laughs> off. You started this whole thing, right? Sort of. Yes, I did. So yeah, let's. That's a good place to start the beginning, right? That sounds good to me. Yeah. So humanizing the badge. It didn't start as that for me, because what it started as for me was seeing this article called Dear Officer, I See You, and I read that, and I read it again, and then I read it some more, and then I think I probably messaged you on Facebook to ask you if I could share it or use it, and you were kind enough to say yes, and that's where uh, I think our launching point was for at least a connection between you and I, correct? That's right. Um, you actually commented on the blog and asked me to reach out to you in an email. And that, that kind of started our, easy. yeah, um, that's what started our, our business partnership. You know, at the time, I don't think we expected to ever join forces, but here we are now. Here we are. And so I guess what is humanizing the badge if you had to try to put it into words, which I'm asking you to do? Well, for me, anyway, um, you know, the idea of it started rolling around in my head around the time of um, of Ferguson, and I just remember watching all the news um, news stations reporting on, you know, Aaron Wilson and Mike Brown and the responses of the police community and you know the the citizens of Ferguson, and as that progressed. You know, when you got closer to Thanksgiving, when they announced that Aaron Wilson wasn't going to be indicted, um, I remember watching my husband um, watch TV, essentially. You know, I was sitting there watching him respond to what was unfolding on our television when the whole city started being set on fire and um, all the looting and all the violence that started happening. And, and, And it's the cluster that Ferguson was when it happened. And... I just remember watching the watching him watch his whole occupation be villainized on mainstream media and how devastating that was for somebody who has his character and his integrity. And so I kind of rolled the idea around for a while. And then as we got closer to Christmas, um, uh, it, more things were happening. And, um, you know, right around Christmas is when the two NYPD detectives were um, ambushed and murdered. And 
right after that happened, I, I had all of this emotion about what was happening in the space community, and I wanted to write about it, and I didn't know what I wanted to say, but I sat down, and Dear Officer, I See You is what was put on the screen, and I, when I submitted it, I, I didn't know what was going to happen with it. I thought maybe a few of our friends would read it, and it would get passed along, you know, a little bit in our community. But I woke up the next morning, and it had been shared 600,000 times. And that was terrifying to me. (laughs) That was terrifying to me. And and it just kind of spoke to me and said that there was, you know, a need for this, that they needed to hear that there is a big silent majority out there that supports them and is seeing what they're going through and that they respect them. And, you know, that letter, Dear Officer, I See You, could have easily been called Dear Husband, I See You, because I wrote that as... His, as my husband's wife and the way that, you know, the experiences that we've seen and dealt with as a police family, um, you know, I put out there for the whole world to see. And um, obviously it struck the chord with a lot of people. Yeah. Huh. There's no doubt about that. Now, I mean, <laughs> and that's, that's where we connected because I was writing some things pretty much the same reason. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Ferguson is sort of a watershed incident for our generation and i don't i don't even presume to understand really why that is why that one incident was able to be captured and you know promulgated the way it was around the media because Mm -hmm. the the reality is that ferguson's happen you know in other places um right and why that happened when it happened i have no clue uh but Nonetheless, I felt the same way that you did is there was something I was on vacation. I remember when that happened and I was glued to the television, of course, uh, as well, just watching these things sort of unfold from a perspective of, of a police officer. And I mean, I could only make it about two, two and a half months before I really felt like I had things inside of me at that point that I really wanted to say to not only support law enforcement and what they go through, but to really get um, someone who is not in law enforcement a glimpse into what's going on in our heads and our hearts, you know, what what's really mm-hmm. going on in the life of a cop. And so that's where we connected. But I think humanizing right. the badge obviously is going, it's not just about, you know, writing things or even a Facebook page or a Twitter account or Instagram or whatever. There's a, a bigger drive behind it at this point as far as, uh, becoming a nonprofit organization. So why don't you right. talk talk a little bit about um, what is it that you're hoping, uh, and I guess now all of us are hoping, that we're able to accomplish or leverage with some of this stuff uh, in terms of helping others? Well, I'm a very emotionally driven person. So like things that are very personal and near and dear to me as an individual are things that I excel at as far as being a writer or a photographer. Um, uh, those are the areas that I feel like I can really channel that energy to, you know, bring to life what I want people to see and, and, and hear. And um, one thing that uh, I do on the side of Humanizing the Badge is that I'm also a mommy blogger and I write about my little boy's uh, chronic illness and what our journey has been like from 
you know, the day that he was born to trying to still find a diagnosis at the age of almost four years old. And I have that audience there and I have the audience there that I write for with the police community. And I didn't want to muddy the waters um, with trying to join those aspects. I wanted him to have his story over here and this be a completely opposite network for me. And I started thinking about um, one of the reasons why I so deeply love the police community is that when our world got turned upside down and uh, we took a, an unbelievable financial hit with $36,000 of medical debt in one year, um, our police community rallied behind us in a way that was so inspirational to us as individuals where they didn't let us go belly up and um, drown in that sea of all the things that come with having a medically complex child. And so I thought maybe I can use my God-given talent to bring awareness to families that are like mine and raise money for these families to alleviate some of the stress that goes along with having, you know, a child that requires extended pediatric care. And that's kind of where the nonprofit idea came in. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to know really creative people um, like Kevin and Red. And um, I, I, went, I went to Kevin and I told him what my idea was about turning Dear Officer I See You into a video. And he introduced me to Red. And the next thing you know, we're putting together this video that um, really sells to an entire nation. And after we realized that we could get that kind of following and that kind of support, we knew that we had something there that we could use to have as an avenue to give back to families like mine. That's awesome. So obviously Kevin and Red decided to stick around and yeah, they're still with me. I don't, I don't know, know why. <laughs> what did you bribe them with? Sweet treats? Or um, what? I mean, what? Yeah. Uh, I have to buy them pizza once a week. <laughs> um, I have to pay for their gas. Uh, you know, just typical, typical stuff and friendship that you have to do. You no, know, they, um, out of the goodness of their own hearts, they, um, we're really convicted on the subject and I, I want them to be able to talk about it because I feel like they they bring it an interesting dynamic to our group um, because they're not married to law enforcement and they're not cops you know they they are doing this because it's something that they are you know that they're passionate about so um, I don't know Kevin Red, you guys want to expand on that any sure I'll expand on that I guess uh, I made a post on our page on the 15th but it was also early in the morning on a Friday so I don't know how many people saw it but basically my story is that whenever all the Ferguson stuff was happening I was angry and I was just going off what I saw on Twitter and Facebook and I was I was mad at cops I was like cops have too much power the cops are crazy you know cops could kill me I don't know what's going on and that's just and I, I feel like I I really only felt that way because up until that point, I didn't really have an opinion either way on cops in general. So all this stuff gets presented to me on social media, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just go with that, I guess. And um, after all this stuff came out with Ferguson and like the actual you know, evidence and the investigation said that Darren Wilson you know, was just 
he killed him out of self-defense. Like he had, he did what he had to do. I felt kind of stupid. And I was like, well, I was just going along with the crowd basically. And I realized that, you know, it wasn't right for me to feel the way that I had about it. And, um, then when Elizabeth came to me about this video, like we had a mutual acquaintance or friend that told her that I had, you know, done video editing and stuff. And, um, she came to me with this idea. I was like, I'm, I'm all for that. Sounds great. Um, all I'd really done with video editing before was we'd done, uh, the 48 hour film project and we'd done, like, I have a dumb little YouTube channel that I do stuff on. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, that sounds, sounds good. You know, and I, I read the blog that she said she wanted to make the video of, and it just seemed like something that you know, was important. I think that's the main reason that I came on board and have decided to stay on board is because I feel like what we're doing is something that can make a difference over time. Even like we have 27,000 something fans on Facebook. Like even if all this time there's only been like two or three people that have seen stuff that we've done and have like had a change of heart. I think that's all worth it just to like, help people even just a couple of people realize that you know it's not the way that the media seems to want everyone to think it is you know it's not um for some reason they have they like saying this whole mentality of it's us versus them and they try to make it seem like us versus them is you know civilians versus cops but the only real us versus them is good guys and bad guys yeah. And it's not necessarily like the way they try to make it seem is that civilians are the good guys and cops are the bad guys that just, you know, don't want people to have a good time and don't want people to um, be themselves or anything. Cops are just here to, you know, kill people and all this stuff. And for some reason, that's the way the media wants to say it. And it's that's not the way it is. And there's not enough people out there saying that that's not the way it is. And that's what we're doing. So it just, I don't know. I just feel like I like that I'm doing something that can, and I'm pretty sure will make a difference. It's awesome. What about you, Red? Uh, yeah. I mean, my story kind of mirrors what Kevin was saying. I, I don't think that I had a bad opinion of cops before, but I think that my attitude towards them was probably that uh, some of them are jerks and, you know, it, it it's more of a culture that they have. And that's how I thought about it. And um, honestly, I like to give back even with that attitude. It sounds weird. I've always been big on charity and uh, volunteering and stuff. And I got a chance to work um, like an MP type position through a group of emergency responders that I'm with. And uh, it really changed my view. I mean, being able to walk a mile in their shoes it really, it really opened my eyes to a lot of it because I, in the past, there were times when I felt like even I had been hassled by cops that, Oh, he's just pulling me over because of the color of my skin and I'm driving a nice car and I'm in the wrong neighborhood and, you know, things like that. And it, it changed my outlook. And then that was right before all this stuff happened. And then all this, all this negativity started getting in the media and started appearing everywhere. And to me, I realized, wow, 
you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's it's easy to look back on situations and say, oh, it could have been handled differently. It could have been done like this. But to actually have been in those shoes, to have been in some of those situations, it's uh, it was eye opening for me. And I, I realized I need to stand up by not saying anything with the knowledge I had, with the experience I'd gained that I wasn't doing anything. And I was looking for a way to do that. And uh, Kevin approached me and said, I have a friend. Uh, he introduced me to Elizabeth. We got together. I read her blog. I read the post. She, uh, um, dear officer, we talked about ideas. We shot around and we started making it. And I really got into it. And I realized how much it actually meant to me to be positive, mm -hmm. to get this out there and to make people see, you know, that there is a human behind every badge there that not everyone is just there for the job. It's not about just a paycheck. It's not just about hassling people. It's not just right and wrong. Even it's about being a human being. And I really want to get that message out there. I want people to understand that, you know, everyone on both sides of the fence is a human being. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, and I want to also ask you guys the question. I mean, you guys got to work with a lot of police officers during the video productions that we've done and interacting with them on that level, you know, where they're basically, you know, they're not necessarily on duty, but it's just, you know, a couple of human beings talking to each other. I mean, what was y'all's, I guess, what was y'all's stance on, you know, just mingling with those guys? I mean, that had to be kind of eye-opening too, that, they're just really, really nice guys. Yeah, the first time that I had a, uh, we had a meeting, I guess, where we were talking about the ideas for the video. And I think in the room there were three, maybe four officers. Yeah, there were four officers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember my initial thought being, well, this is probably one of the safest buildings in town. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't mind that I just walked into a building I didn't even know existed because there's, you know, four officers here. So I felt pretty safe. But in talking to them, like, sure, they sh they shared some, you know, stories about, you know, stuff they've seen on the job. But they also had stories that were just, you know, normal stories that you'd hear from regular people. And I was like, man, these people are people. It's so weird. I, I don't know where that comes from, man. I, I really don't. It's so funny to being a cop walking into, you know, some, uh, a convenience store or whatever and striking up conversations with people. And there's like this shroud of mystery surrounding police officers. I, I honestly don't know where that comes from, but it is fun to break down those barriers sometimes by just having normal conversations or answering, you know, pe questions that people think are silly or odd or, or whatever. Right. And it's funny because, like, they'll say something about, like, playing a video game. And I'll say, I had no idea that cops played video games. <laughs> man, I've lost, I've lost seven years of my life on Call of Duty, man. <laughs> it is. It is. It's amazing to just, like, interact with them. Not so much because you see that they're just regular people, but you get to actually see a different side of them. Because the side that I always see of cops outside, you know, you guys have to have that game face. You have to be ready. And to step into a room and have somebody go, oh, man, Call of Duty's coming out. It's crazy. I can't believe I'm about to go get it, you know, to have them talk to you about it. It, it, it is different. It is different because you're used to interacting with them, at least me being a law-abiding citizen. You know, 
it's very different because when I see them, it's yes, sir, no, sir. Here's my registration. Sorry for not seeing the sign. But to see them and be like, oh, man, that, you know, AMD is about to release a whole beast of a graphics card out, you know, and have a conversation that I would normally have with someone. It really does humanize them for me. Mm -hmm. I always found that very interesting. Um, My husband is notorious for having a really stoic face and nobody can ever tell how he feels about something. And um, that's just, you know, part of it. That's part of his game face. You know, nobody can really read what's going through his head. And then I see him as a father and as a husband, and he is the goofiest man alive. And people miss out on that because they are only, you know, looking at the surface of things. And I know that's not only just true for him, but true for so many others of, of these men and women that I know here. Mike, are you spinning circles in your chair? Because it sounds like you are. Uh, No. This will be an edited portion where uh, I gave my wife a kiss goodnight. <laughs> oh. Ew. You're cheating on us? You're cheating on us? That's... <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, there's one police officer that we've worked with on a couple of videos, and his name is Victor. And he is by far one of my favorite people in the entire world. And um, listening to Victor talk about things and, you know, tell the stories of his life and um, the way that he is in our videos, like he's a blast to work with. And it's been really fun watching, you know, Red and Kevin get to interact with him as a person, as opposed to, you know, Victor, the police, the policeman. No, it is. It's fun. It's fun working with them. And, you know, it's one of the things that you learn is that they are people and you you want to put them at ease. And so a lot of the times we have the camera rolling because we're trying to shoot stuff, but we have the audio off because we want to make sure that, you know, it, we don't want them to feel uncomfortable. We want them to feel like that, that we're just being guys. We're just being friends. You know, everyone there is just there to talk. It's nothing special. We're not trying to catch them doing something because I know that that's a, that's a thing now that people just want to, oh, look at this cop. And that, that's not what we do. We just want to hang out with you guys most of the time. Yeah. I, uh, is that, that's why I think that having a podcast is like the next progression for us that makes so much sense. I mean, just absolutely being out there on Facebook and other social media outlets, that's great. And I think, uh, I think a lot of good things have come of that and we continue to grow and develop. But if we really want to humanize this, it's going to require that we actually interact and communicate with people and put ourselves out there and, and have these kind of conversations for sure. I think that that's been obvious with the feedback that we've gotten um, with the We See You campaign that we just recently did. Um, you know, all the emails that we got in over the course of you know that week while we were running it, you know, all the thank yous and all the encouragement and all the really intimate stories that men and women in law enforcement were sharing with us about how um, it's been what they've needed for so long and that, you know, they have been hurting for this reason or the other reason, or their, their spouse is reaching out to us asking how they would handle certain things. You know, it's really just opened the door for us to either, you know, just be a voice on the other side of the screen or for the more serious matters to be able to give them the resources that they need to cope and, you know, find the appropriate help out there that can point them in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. So 
um, this podcast, then let's talk about uh, what this will look like, at least what we have in mind uh, for the early episodes, which would be, uh, I don't know, addressing some common issues um, that are mm -hmm. going on in, in pop police culture, I guess. Uh, address some of those things. We love to uh, interview some people that are making some prominent statements or anti-statements, whatever the case may be, uh, with the police world. Uh, tonight, for example, we're having Will Stack on. Uh, I don't know who knows who that is, but you can find his video on humanizingthebadge.com. Uh, we just put that up tonight, and he had a video that went viral. Uh, after he had just a common traffic stop with a police officer, uh, he's happens to be uh, African American. The officer was Caucasian, and he made a little two-minute clip about you know how the encounter went uh, pretty uneventful. And uh, he's going to share some of his thoughts with us uh, on this episode about what was in his mind as he was making that video and uh, what his message is uh, to others who would see it. So that'll be cool. And we hope to have other guests like him on. And we want to interact with uh, those that are following us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram now. We have that too, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we want to answer some questions or even maybe make some space in the future for people to call in and chat with us or whatever. Yeah, that would yeah, be the awesome. Interactive, the interactive fan base that we have is phenomenal. That's one of my favorite parts of humanizing the badge is being able to interact with the people. It's so much more than people just liking your comments or sharing your comments. You know, they're really engaged and uh, I want to, you know, I want to go with that momentum and give them another way to engage with us. Definitely. Well, I dig it. Well, then how about we uh, get our first guest on? How's that sound? That sounds, sounds, good. sounds good to me. All right. Well, then let's do that. Will. Yeah. Um, watched your video and I guess the first big question is I mean this is pretty crazy that you are a black man in America who got pulled over by the police and yet you lived to tell about it how is that yeah. even how is that even possible in today's uh, culture um I think because with the, the way the culture is set up now there's the common misconception that it's either one way or the other you know, it has to be one extreme or the other. It has to be either all cops are upstanding, great heroes of America who do no wrong, or they have to be all crooked, dirty, racist cheats who abuse their power. Right. And that's not the case with anything. There's never all one or the other. Right. That's why, you know, just growing up, I was taught, you never use extremes. Words like always or never, because nine times out of ten, if you think about it, those words aren't true. You you, it's not one of those things to where it's always this way every single time or it's never this way. It's a case-by-case -case basis. Well, I think it would be fair to say uh, always or never doesn't even really apply to criminals. Would you agree or no? I agree. I mean... It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really the, some of the same basis, you know? You can't say all criminals are, are no good for nothing people, and you can't say all criminals are innocent. They were framed. No, some, some people, they, they did the crime. They deserve to be in jail. 
they need to stay there. Others of them, they were put in a situation. Maybe they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe the justice system didn't work with their case the way it should have. We don't know because we're not in their shoes. We're not that person. So it's not necessarily our place to pass judgment or assume that all things are one way. You know, it's we're all people. It's a case-by-case basis, like I said before. Yeah. Well, and you can you can also take that one step further and just say, like, I know that I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago as far as responsibility is concerned. And exactly. so there are people out there who learn from their mistakes. You know, I have friends in my lifetime who planted themselves in jail from a DUI or whatever, and they learn from their circumstances and they uh, use that to become a better person as opposed to being angry that they were caught for doing something wrong. Um, and I, I think that the overgeneralization that we run into is that you, especially when you look at policing and the criminal culture, um, you have bad police officers who do bad things and you have, you know, bad civilians who do bad things. So really you have bad people as a whole doing bad things and people are just so anxious to throw labels on those things to make it a much broader spectrum than it really is. That's just my opinion on the whole thing. I would agree with that, you know, a lot because that's a lot. It's a pretty huge part of what my video was about. You know, at the end of the day, no one person is exactly the same as another person. Even identical twins are different, you know. So what makes us think that if there's not a single person on this planet that's exactly the same, that you can generalize or that you can try to put people in a certain stereotype or put people in a certain box. If you really sit down and think about it, think about the way the human body is set up and the way personalities are manifested within each individual human being, it makes absolutely no sense to try to generalize and put people in a, in a, in a box. It doesn't fit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of a regressive state of mind for us to go into. Exactly. Now, this video you got, Will, which we posted on our website, humanizingthebadge.com, uh, I think we titled it, Will Stack Survives the Traffic Stop, um, so that people could watch that for themselves if they haven't seen it yet. Um, what uh, what motivated you in that moment, do you think, to do that? that obviously, you didn't plan on getting pulled over. Uh, you didn't plan on making a video that went viral. So what was going through your mind as you did that or what kind of events had been going on that you were paying attention to that in that moment you were like, you know what, I really feel like i got to say this? Um, come to think about it, you know, when I was in the situation, um, a little bit of my military training kicked in. Because even as far back as basic training, you know, you go through drills and you're taught, you know, like if you're, if you're ever working a post, whether it's in the States or whether it's overseas and you're guarding that post and an unknown vehicle approaches that post, there's certain protocols you go through. And, and it's, very, it's very strict. You have the person, you know, from, from getting out of the car to making sure you can see their hands at all times to, to watching their body language, their movements what they're wearing, you know, things like that, just little fine details that people don't realize that make a huge difference. And I know um, that with police officers, they get some of the same training mm -hmm. that so 
me, I've always been taught, treat another person like you would want to be treated. So I tried to give that officer the same respect that I would want. Right. If I put myself in his shoes, I'm walking up to a car in a busy intersection, in a median. I have no idea who I'm walking up to. What would I want to come up to? What would I want to see that will make me feel comfortable that this person is not a threat to me? Uh-huh. So I just put my hands on the steering wheels, you know, made sure don't don't make any sudden movements. Just be respectful, human decency. And it went well. And as I was driving away, I was thinking about it to myself, and I was like, you know what? Not all officers are bad people. <laughs> I'm black. This guy's white. No big deal. It was a regular routine traffic stop. He did his job. I did my job. You know what? Let's try to spread some positivity. And honestly, that's that's what that's what sparked it. Because I was actually on my way, believe it or not, to get some lunch. <laughs> and so I pulled into the parking lot of where I was gonna get my lunch from and in my car I made the video, uploaded it. And got out of my car and went and got lunch. Well, I, I for one, I'm glad you made the video. And the the reality is that if everyone that had a positive encounter with the police was able to respond with a video that articulated how that encounter went, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how big the internet is, but I'm not sure it would fit the <laughs> the sheer number of of contacts that law enforcement officers have with people that go well. And it's just not something you hear about uh, very much, obviously, especially these days. So what do you think is the way forward? I know that's sort of a big question, but with with the current climate right now, what does Will Stack think the way forward is as far as helping to connect this message with other people outside of videos? Um. Like you said, it's a big question, um, and I'm only one person, so this is just my personal opinion, not barring on anything or anyone else. Um, but I think it's a very long process, and I don't think – I think it's a mistake to think of it as what is the solution because a problem this big that's been going on for this long does not have a simple solution. Mm-hmm. It has a beginning. It has a start, and from that start, you get one building block. And then on that building block, you make another one, and then you come up with two more and three more until, before you know it, you have a solution. Mm -hmm. The solution can't come at one time. It has to be built over a period of time. Just like the problem came over a period of time, it's the same thing with the solution. I would say the first step in the solution is for both sides, pro-cops, negative cops, against whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. to take a minute and say, okay, before I make this comment, before I take this stance against this person across from me who thinks the opposite of me, let me, A, examine myself, make sure that I'm squared away, make sure that I'm doing the right things, and make sure that I am as good as can possibly be. So that way, when I make my argument, there are no holes. Mm -hmm. That way, 
I'm taking care of myself first before I try to point the finger at somebody else. Ah, I Second, like that a lot. Well, you let know, me say, go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, well, secondly, before I try to pass judgment on this person across from me, thinking the opposite thing of me, let me take another second to try to place myself on the other side of this fence, to try to put myself in this person's shoes, to try to understand why it is they think the way they think, why it is they act the way they act, and why it is they have the specific stance that they have. Let me try to bridge that gap. Because a lot of this, a lot of the problems come with a lack of understanding from the other side. A lot of people Absolutely. don't want to take the time to understand the person with the opposite viewpoint. They just want their point to be heard. I want you to admit that I'm right. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. But I'm not going to take the time to hear you. I'm not going to take the time to try to see it from your point of view because I feel like if I take the time to see it from your point of view, then I'm admitting that you're better than me. I'm admitting that you're right, and I'm admitting that I'm wrong. No, that's not the case. It's a simple matter of trying to find some common ground because without common ground, your argument is pointless, and it's going to fall on deaf ears because if they're as stubborn in their viewpoint as you are in yours, you're just going to keep fighting, arguing, and butting heads, and neither one of you is ever going to give an inch, and we're never going to make any progress. Well, I'm so glad to hear you say that, and I think that's the the heart of what we'd like to see, too. I mean, it's, it's perfect that you're actually our first guest on this first podcast, because really, when you think about the idea of humanizing the badge, um, that's exactly what we hope to see, at least on one side, is that you know law enforcement officers are people. They're not just um, an idea, and they're not just uh, an issue. They are real people. And they have the same struggles or hopes, fears, everything that everybody else does. And also on that, on the flip side of that, like you're saying, officers need to make sure that in whatever community they're policing, they understand that the, the people that they're pulling over, the people that they're arresting, the people that they're helping are also humans. And we're all in it together in order to try to accomplish a common goal of having a safer, better community. Exactly. And I think I think that's why your video resonated with people so much is because it came out at a time where it was so needed. Like police officers needed to hear that message from somebody saying, like speaking up and saying the narrative that everything is absolutely is absolutely wrong. And I think that some people on the pro police side are, I mean, they are, without a doubt, insensitive to, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement um, because they're mixing it in with all the rioting and all the hate and all the destruction. And then on the other side of it, every time you read an article about a crooked cop or a cop that has abused his power on some level, they're lumping every police officer under that umbrella. And so it's just more people are going to have to find their voices and say, I refuse to be a part of overgeneralizing any people group, regardless of race or regardless of occupation. And that's one of our goals is to bring those people forward and asking them to speak up and say what's on their minds and stand up for you know, both sides of the issue. I think people forget that there are people who are still alive 
today that were part of, you know, the Martin Luther King Jr. days where they were asked to drink from different water fountains and they were asked to go to different bathrooms and they were refused service because of their skin color. They forget that those people were actually there experiencing that deep-rooted racism. And um, to feel like that stuff doesn't carry over to the next generation is foolish. Now we just have to focus on how to get further away from it. And I feel like as a nation, we're regressing in that area. Exactly. Well, you say something interesting in your video, actually, toward the end. You talk about God not seeing color. Yeah. And so in... In a lot of these cases, whether uh, someone would want to argue or deny that race has been a part of this, um, you make the assertion in this in this video that God doesn't see color. And so, talk to me a little bit about uh, what what your thoughts are on that and where that comes from for you. Um, for me, I mean, of course, you know, I, I was I was raised in church. I was raised in a Christian household. No, my family is not perfect. <laughs> very far from it. We're very dysfunctional in some aspects. <laughs> but at the end of the day, no matter what was going on, no matter who said what about who, everybody knew who God was. And everybody believed that there was a God and that that's where we came from. That's who created us. That's what my family chose to believe. And me being raised in that manner, it's it's something that I carry with me all the time. And so this situation, this aspect is is in my opinion it's no different from from others. You know, it's if God created everybody, then why would he specifically say, Well this race is better than this race or you know, this group is better than this group. No, because if you read in the Bible, it clearly says God loves everybody. You know, God, you know, walked with people who were not considered Christians, people who were not considered followers of Christ. He didn't care. His, his, his goal, his message was to reach everybody, no matter what color you were, no matter what denomination you were, no matter, even if you didn't believe there was a God at all. So that was basically my my main message as far as that went was what I mean wh- why is color such a big deal why does color matter so much something so minute as the pigmentation of your skin something that no person can ever have control over has so much control over us Mhm I mean America. It says one nation founded under God. Uh, can we really say that? With all of the vision that's going on, with all of the turmoil that's going on, this country, yes, it was founded under God, but is it still? I feel like people just need to let go of all of that past negativity, all of that past hate from both sides. Yeah, it sounds it, to me like it kind of comes back to where where we all started tonight with you, which is this idea that the way forward is to take it a piece at a time. Uh, we need to step outside of ourselves. Um, maybe that's uh, obviously for a lot of us, it's going to be 
looking to our faith uh, for that. It's going to be looking to step outside of ourselves to understand the perspective of others. And it's going to take just like your individual encounter um, coming uh, through that and finding something meaningful and it's something as simple as a traffic stop, uh, taking those each individual pieces and hopefully those piece together as a mosaic that picture something a little bit better than what we see now. And, and I really appreciate the fact that you were uh, willing to speak up and, and share your viewpoint like that. It's awesome. Well, honestly, I'm just, I'm just glad that, you know, the message got out and people were able to understand what I was trying to accomplish from a positive standpoint. Yeah. You know? Like of of course were you, you know, I got Go ahead. I was gonna say, were you really surprised when you came back out from getting splashed and you were a YouTube sensation? Did that catch you off guard? What uh can you say that again? <laughs> I said when you came back from getting lunch, were you surprised that you had already turned into a YouTube sensation? Oh, yeah. Uh it it was pretty shocking. Like at, you know, at first it was <laughs> It was pretty normal, like, because honestly, I just expected, you know, I'm, my my friends, the people that I'm friends with, will see it. Some people might comment on it, get a little bit of discussion going, yada yada yada. We're good, we're good. Well, you know, when I first started seeing people sharing it, it didn't really hit me. I was like, oh, cool, my video got shared. Oh, cool, my video got shared again. Oh, wait a minute, <laughs> it's kind of all over the place. And, um, you know, it started climbing a couple hundred views. And what really got me was when the local news station here in Columbia, um, WIS, you know, I got a phone call uh, early one morning. You know, I didn't have to work, so I was sleeping in. And I think it was my brother. My brother comes running to the room, and he, he wakes me up. And I'm, like, half asleep trying to wipe the crust out of my eyes. I'm like, what? And he's like, uh, here, here. WIS is on the phone for you. And I was like, what? And so I got the phone, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'd like to uh, do a, do an interview with you and put it on the on tonight's news. And I was like, oh, well, I have to ask my dad because <laughs> house. But I'll go check, and I, I'll get back to you. So, I mean, it, it was a huge shock. I didn't expect any of this, honestly. Well, I we... think that's just a testament to how much it was needed. You know, the way that it spread so quickly, it just it just shows how how much the nation wanted to hear that message, and you yeah. became, you know, that voice for so many people. And I thought it was amazing just watching that happen because I did watch that number keep falling from like a few hundred to a thousand, and then to the millions, and all of a sudden you were, you know, a local celebrity, and it was pretty awesome to know that you were getting that recognition for being brave enough to say that. And which leads me to a question. Did you get a lot of negative feedback from people? Um, I did get some, but I would I mean, in the broad scope of things and if you compare the positive to the negative, it's a drop in the bucket. But yes, I did get some some negative feedback from it. Um you know, different things from from different sides. And when I saw initially that it was kinda getting getting kind of big there I figured I would get some negative feedback um I was trying to 
preparing myself for it and other people, you know, even in my family, we're like, where there's going to be good, there's going to be bad. You know, you're, you're getting the positivity right now, but there's going to be some. Just prepare for it and handle it. And so, you know, that's what I did. You know, I had a, a couple of people message me and say this and that, and I just kind of said, all right, well, that's your opinion. You know, you're entitled to it. You know, thanks for that. And, you know, they they said what they had to say, and they moved on. Well, well. Well, I watched you. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I did watch Will handle that. Um, when I sent you that Facebook friend request, I was just hoping that you would accept me, and thankfully you did. Um, but I did watch you respond to all the comments on your video, and you, you do have a way of responding very gracefully and very politely. You can just tell that you're an exceptional young man, and I'm really uh, honored to, to know somebody like you, honestly. Well, you know, I, it's, it all goes back to it's just how I grew up. You know, some of it was instilled in me, and some of it I just kind of had, I guess you could say instinctively. You know, I understand what people's goals are when they come with some of this negativity. And some of their main goals are to get a rise out of me. They want to fluster me. Mm -hmm. They want to get me upset. They want to make me mad. And if I give that to them, if I show them that, they win. And I'm very competitive. I don't like to lose. I don't <laughs> care if it's tic-tac-toe or checkers. I don't like to lose. So in my mind, it's, yes, this is very disrespectful. This is very offensive. But if we respond the way we want to necessarily, we give them exactly what they want. Instead, let's kill them with kindness. So I kill them with kindness, and the funniest thing happens. They get even more angry because you're not giving them what they want. And then the anger that I had from the initial negative comment turns into utter bliss because I'm like, yes, I'm winning. I'm getting them. And they keep getting more angry, and I'm like, yes. And by the time it's all over with, it went from a negative thing to me just getting a great laugh of the day. That's how it ends for me. So... You know, I just, I guess you could say I have a formula for dealing with negative people. <laughs> uh, I think we can well, learn, we can learn from that for sure these days on, uh, <laughs> on our site. <laughs> yeah, you might need to send me that formula because I'm not as good at it as you are. Well, you know, um, I think I actually came up with this on my own. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else say it, but <laughs> I think personally that there's nothing special about me in general. I feel like I'm just a person. You know, I'm no different from anybody else. No worse, no better. Just a, just a person. Because I, I believe that any given human is capable of greatness or failure on any given day. It's all about the choices you make and how you handle things. So if there are people out there that are admiring me or, or, or thinking that I'm, I'm so great, don't. Because... I am no different from you. You can do the exact same thing that I did. Any, any good quality that you see in me, you also possess. It's up to you whether you use it or not. That's awesome, man. I think that embodies exactly uh, what we all need to hear and a good starting point for us to, to be able to engage others on these issues. I really appreciate your service, Will, to the country and uh, just as a person sharing your uh, thoughts with us 
Well, I appreciate it, and, and I appreciate you guys having me here because, you know, for me this is just a, just another opportunity to spread a little bit more positivity. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Well, you're a friend of humanizing the badge, and uh, maybe uh, I'll, I'll elevate to the status of having you as a friend on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Shoot me a request, man. I got you. <laughs> all right, man. Hey, hey. <laughs> that makes me feel less special, Will. accept this request. <laughs> That's all right. Well, we got to always have a little friendly competition around here. So, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, we appreciate you so your much, time, bro. man. No problem, guys. Again, I appreciate you having me. It was it was a lot of fun. All right. We'll talk again well, soon. Well, hopefully, we'll have you back sometime. Sure. Just let me know when. There was our first guest, Will Stack, and that's pretty cool that he was willing to come on and talk to us. What'd you guys think? Will's a great a great guy. Um, I wish that there were more people out there that would take the same stance that he does so publicly. It was it was incredible to to listen to him speak tonight. He had a lot of great points. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome awesome viewpoints, man. Like well thought out, well spoken, had everything on point, I thought, for how I feel. So I'm all with him. Red, what'd you think? That was red. Oh. <laughs> uh, you guys have a lot of light. Kevin? Yeah, I know my, my voice is so sexy. Oh, you're well. Yeah. Uh, I really like. I really liked what he had to say. Um, and believe it or not, for people that are listening, like those weren't pre-prepared answers. He didn't know what we were going to ask him, and he no. still, he was still very well spoken and like made his points like as if he had as if he knew what we were going to ask. Um, yeah. which just made him seem that more, you know admirable to me is just he, that he has these thoughts in his mind already about what needs to happen and what um what can happen in the future and you know like he was talking about how there's there's not going to be one simple way to make all of this stuff change you know it's going to be building blocks it's going to be something you know one idea will help and then another thing and it'll all just come together over time yeah you've got to grab onto pieces for sure yeah i think uh I'm obviously going to have a particular perspective that I that I have a starting point from as a police officer myself. You know, one of those things, a block that just cannot be ignored that I think cops and non-cops alike have to wrap their minds around is this uh, idea of seeing, you know, I, I think the average is what they say every 53 hours, uh, an mm-hmm. officer falling in the line of duty. Um, just this month in May alone, we have seven who didn't just die while working. They were uh, killed while working, uh, an intentional act on behalf of someone else to take the life of an officer. And uh, I think until people on both sides of the whether police are good or whether police are bad argument um, are are going to come together, we have to agree that that has to stop that is uh that's something that we've got to <laughs> focus on and bring light to and and make sure that uh, we recognize well i think it's just you know there's an irresponsibility that's taking place out there um you know it's one thing to call for police accountability and it's one thing to want you know transparency with your police department that's it's okay to ask questions about policing and it's okay to be, you know, alarmed by things that you see and ask questions about those things. That's not the problem. 
It's when it gets so irresponsible that these anti-police groups create a platform for other civilians to go out and call for the deaths of not just officers, but their families, their children, their wives. Um, it's, it's, I can't think of a better word than irresponsible, really, um, because it just fuels that fire. And it, it's costing us more lives by the day. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, what happens is it's real easy to objectify law enforcement officers and view them just as a badge. And in some sense, we are a badge because we represent something um, that society has called us to do, which is to stand between them and those that would seek to do them harm. But, um, you know, consider um, Omaha Police Department just today, uh, Detective Carrie Orozco. I mean, she was, uh, I believe, a seven-year veteran and a mother of three, with the newest addition being a premature baby um, who was supposed to come home from the NICU unit there uh, on the 21st, what, tomorrow? Tomorrow. And she's just uh, doing her job, and and her life is taken from her. And she wasn't mm-hmm. just a badge. She was uh, a mom. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is this is the stuff that real life is made of. And until we recognize that, then... Um, it's going to be hard to get very far down the road. Well, and her specifically, she was an, an officer that was so admired because she took so much action to continue to bridge, you know, the gap between community and policing. She was well known for, you know, um, she was uh, being a baseball coach for younger kids or going out in the community and just interacting with the neighborhoods. She was well known for those things, and she so desperately wanted, you know, to find a way to protect, you know, specifically, you know, black youth from growing up and having a criminal record or, um, you know, struggling in a way that could be avoided by just having somebody guide them and teach them how to interact with law enforcement. So losing somebody like her is detrimental to the overall cause. And it's just a very sad thing to know that somebody who loved people as much as she did um, died doing a job that most people aren't brave enough to sign up for. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I know how I feel um, as a cop looking at this, but I, I'm particularly curious, you know, uh, Kevin and Red, what is what is your response now when you see uh, someone like Detective Orozco fall on the line of duty? When you see that now, having participated with humanizing the badge, as opposed to before you had any kind of connection like that, uh, what's different for you now when you see that? Well, I I kind of I get angry, and but I feel like I get angry the way that almost towards the kind of person I used to be the people that don't really have an opinion and almost let the media form their opinion for them. And it's like, there's not a good reason for this to have happened. Mm -hmm. Someone somewhere probably thinks it's good, but like those are the people that are misguided that think 
the cops are all bad. And it's like the fact that those people exist make me it makes me angry. But it makes me angry because the media isn't going to take any kind of responsibility for this. Like, they're not sure. going to say, um, you know, we're sorry that we, you know, said all these things about cops. Because all they care about is the ratings. They're not going to apologize because um, something like this happens. Even though, <clears throat> I guess it's it's hard to say. But I, I, I feel like they're almost as responsible as the person that goes and, you know, shoots an officer in the face when he's sitting in his car. Even though they're not pulling the trigger, they're the ones that are just perpetuating this falsehood that all cops are bad and all this stuff. And they just don't seem, they don't even seem to care. They don't, they don't realize what their, you know, what their effect is on people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anger, anger is what I want to say the most. I mean, they're. It's the passing is really sad. It, it it tears at me because of the kids, not just her kids, but the kids she was helping. That mm-hmm. this is a person that even the anti cops are saying this is what cops should be. Right. That they struck down the very thing they wanted. Mm-hmm. That to me is insane. Yep. And I and you know, just generally overall on the whole situation like this. Violence only begets more violence. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to help. I mean, I was speaking earlier about having walked a mile in the shoes. Man, Mike, I'm sure you know what it's like, but there is nothing more tense than standing on a post and having your partner with you. And somebody says, okay, we got to be on the lookout because this guy said he's coming back. He's coming back with the gun. He's posting pictures with the gun. We know he's coming. And you've got to watch your partner walk to that car because somebody decided they wanted to stop on the wrong side of the road and make a phone call or send a text or take a selfie or whatever. And you don't know because there's nothing you can do if he, they roll down the window and they decide it's his time. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. And they don't understand what kind of edge incidents like this that happen all the time, it seems like now put officers in they, they put you guys in a corner you have to approach the situation differently when people are actively taking a role to hurt you not just the possibility the possibility is always there yeah. but when people are actively hunting you that's what makes it so dangerous because it does put cops on the edge i think i think that it does mm-hmm. make everyone on edge because cops are a little more quick you know the public's a little more quick it, it's not helping anything it's yeah. not helping yeah. at all and just this woman in particular, it, it it tears at me because if anyone should have been the poster child for police reform and community policing, it was Detective Orozco. Yeah. And now she's gone. And we won't ever right. have her back. And finding someone else like her is not a possibility. There's not another one. Yep. They're not all just badges. And it just, it makes me angry. It makes me very angry. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's just it. And now we, we stand in a point uh, as a as a new organization ourselves that this this kind of thing will define us too. How will we Absolutely. respond to this? Are we going to just dig in and and uh, portray ourselves as nothing? but that anger or will we be able to channel that into something that continues to want to embody exactly what detective Orozco stood for 
and to continue to encourage uh, cops to um, stay the course and have that same mentality despite knowing the risks and also encouraging people who are not cops to continue to support um, officers who are just like her? Um, or will we just, you know, hurl insults back across the table? I think the, you know, especially after talking to Will, I think there's a clear high road that we can take in response and, and use that, that anger that comes to respond differently than those who would seek to destroy us, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you know, hate is one of the most contagious things in the, in the whole world. And we're definitely not short on that on social media. There's there's more than enough to go around out there. Well, hate is easy. And yeah, hate is easy, and it's also it's a lot more. Uh, it's not as hard to be lazy as it is to go and find facts and understanding. Right. And um, you know, for us at Humanizing the Badge, one thing that I like to encourage our followers is don't engage in people who aren't committed. To misunderstanding us or are committed to hating us like I'm not worried about those people I'm worried about people like Kevin a year ago who isn't giving the, the whole story and is making up his mind just on from what the media is telling him and those are the people that we need to reach and there's a lot of those people out there and you know I was interesting it was interesting today on social media to watch the two sides of the fence responding to her, her death. You know, you had the people out there that were mourning the criminal because it was another black life taken by the hands of white officers. Mm -hmm. And then you had people who were just heartbroken over this woman who dedicated her entire life to changing other people. And um, we have to tell that side of the story. And we have to focus on who she was and what she wanted to bring to the table and keep that very much alive. And um, I think that goes for any officer that's fallen in the line of duty. And, like, I know this is a kind of a personal subject for you as well. You've experienced a lot in your own family. Yep. And um, I don't know if that's something that you're willing to talk about on air, but, um, you know, the grief process is there, and the only way to heal from those things is to move forward by honoring those people. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, and maybe we'll, we'll talk more in detail about my specific experiences, you know, in the future, but I think in general, um, and I, I was just fortunate to come, come back, uh, from police week as well in DC. And I think what's encouraging to me is that the, the people that purport to support cop killing or cop bashing, they don't win um, in all of this because what happens is is that true character is revealed and it just furthers the strength uh, of character, I think, in the good police officers uh, and law enforcement officers that are out there. Um, and I think it unites us um, even stronger. When one falls, there's more uh, to pick up that slack. Um, and we stand even more ready to face the challenges in front of us. And so um, they're not going to win. Uh, it's not going to yeah. happen. And so I think that um, the more they try um, to use hate and violence as a tool to, 
to make their statements uh, or to get their point across, whatever it is, whether it makes sense or, or it doesn't. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a success. And I think that she's uh, a great example, Detective Orozco, of, of exactly why we do what we do and why we won't forget who she is. And, mm-hmm. and I think that she'll inspire a whole other legion of people to follow in her footsteps. And so um, it's, yeah, it's, man, I, I get angry as well. Um, but there's a strange sense of honor and encouragement that comes through it as well, knowing that we still win. Um, they, can't, they can't defeat us by trying to take our lives. It won't work. Well, you can look at the pictures, um, you know, of the the funerals of Officer Tate and Officer Dean and uh, Officer Brian Moore and Sergeant Greg Moore. You know, we get pictures sent to us all the time about, you know, these funerals. And you're right. We are just uniting in the face of adversity. You look at those pictures from New York City and all you can see is miles and miles and miles of blue. And that tells you that you're not defeating us. Like we're not sitting down and just taking this. We are going to rise up and we are going to unite together and we're going to have our voices heard. And you can't look at those pictures and deny that that's, that's happening. Those, yeah. those images are more powerful to me than anything I've ever seen on social media. Yes. And you wrote uh, an article one time, like about the silent majority. And I think, yes. I think that, one of the most exciting aspects about what we're doing with humanizing the badge is uh, stirring that silent majority and getting interaction between uh, law enforcement officers and supporters um, and opening a dialogue with people who are either on the fence uh, who or who maybe are anti-cop right now, but who are open to being intelligent and having a conversation um, with us. And when you see, uh, a procession for a police officer um, that also is accompanied by miles and miles of people in that community that have never met that officer, um, right. who have never had um, any dealings with them, but they're out there with their families saluting, standing um, on the side of the road, encouraging everybody um, that's going through that you know difficult time. And that makes a statement too. And uh, I'm mm-hmm. glad to be part of uh, humanizing the badge and um, getting uh, a voice and, and leveraging, you know, whatever we can uh, to let the world know that, hey, uh, most people support the police uh, and most police uh, support those people. And the reality is that it's a very, very few people that seem to be making some noise. Uh, right. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep doing what we're going to do. I think that another thing that just to kind of touch on what you just said, is that I think a lot of people do, they, they've become afraid and, you know, they're afraid to wear anything that's pro police or they're afraid to, to write a comment on our thread or whatever, because it identifies them as a police supporter. And that's the mentality that we absolutely have to reject. Um, you know, one of the most powerful images I've ever seen was after the terrorist attack in France and their whole city came out mm-hmm. and they all stood there and we said, we are not afraid. And that's how we have to be too. We cannot retreat. We cannot hide. We cannot cower in fear because we're not the enemy. 
we're not the bad guys and we can't act like it. We can't act like we're ashamed of it. Um, cause that just lets them win. So I refuse and I reject the notion that we should be leery of letting people know that we support police or we are police or we are part of a police family. That's something to be proud of. And the more of us that are standing up and saying that, the more powerful we become. Yeah. And yeah, that's who we are. We're humanizing the badge and we're powerful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got on my soapbox. You got me me passionate about that. Well, that's good. I think we are passionate. And I think that our, our, our current, you know, group of people that are engaging with us on Facebook and Twitter and whatever else, I think they're passionate too. And I think it's a good starting point. I need to. So speaking of those that we're interacting with, um, Kevin, do you have like a, uh, a mailbag? Are we, have we got a mailbag? Of questions. We uh we did ask on the page for some questions. Um, we only got two the last time I checked. I'll check if there's any more now. But um, let me see. Yeah, we got two questions. Uh, they're both more directed to an officer. So I guess I mean we could all answer them. But um, the first one, can I say who made the comment? Uh, or should we know. keep that? Should we keep that private? Uh, I think we should probably keep theirs. Maybe just their first name. Unless okay. it's something really... Yeah, Chrysanthemum. No, that's not his name. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Uh, first comment uh, is from Andrew. It says, if your only child was about to turn 21 and told you that they were thinking about following in your footsteps and becoming a cop, would you try to talk them into or out of that decision? Uh, I would tell them it depends on how much money you want to make. Because if you're interested in uh, financial <laughs> rewards, uh, do not do this job. Uh, but I would be, I would be honored if my kids wanted to be police officers uh, or serve in the military or or any other type of career that serves other people at the very heart of it. So um, I'd be, I'd be proud. Uh, would I have concerns? Sure, but. You know, I think there's always going to be concerns. There's always going to be people who hate the police and hate authority. And I don't know that that's going to go anywhere. And I think we're in the midst right now of dealing with some cultural issues that started with Ferguson and and continue on, you know, every few days in the media. But uh, I, I am old enough to remember the 90s, too, when we had Rodney King and we had Malice Green. And there's there's some other major things that happened before. And. I think it's cyclical in some sense in which the popularity of hating the police is going to come and go, uh, but it's always going to be there. And the job of law enforcement is never going to be easy and you're never going to please everybody and you're never going to mitigate all the risks. Um, And so if my kids have the type of character that is willing to put that badge on and go out there and step in harm's way for others, other families um, to protect them, um, then I'd be honored. I, 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 like I said, I'd have concerns, but I think every parent would. I don't know if that answers the question or not. No, it does. Um, I was trying to think if I could, if I could really answer it. Because I'm not a cop, 
So I feel like I'd probably have a different perspective on it. But um, I think to an extent, you know, if my kids, I, I don't have kids, but I feel like I would support my kids with whatever career path they wanted to go. So, and that would include being a cop. Like if they told me they wanted to be a cop, I mean, I might be worried, but I wouldn't like try to talk them out of it. Yeah. Because, um, cause I admire pretty much every officer I've ever met. Like I've, I've never personally had a bad run in, you know, um, with a cop before. I mean, I've gotten speeding tickets, but there wasn't a time that I was like thinking that the cop was a jerk. It's, it was pretty much always because I was speeding. So obviously he gave me a ticket, but, uh, you know, so I, I admire officers. So like if my son came to me and said he wanted to be a cop, you know, I just admire my son more than I already did. You know, I'd be like, I, you know, I'd probably say, are you sure? Like, have you given this a lot of thought or did you just watch a movie or something like that <laughs> or something? But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'd support that decision if my kid wanted to be a cop. See, I think that I probably bring the emotional side of this um, to the table, right. which I'm well known for. But right. <laughs> as a, a mom, um, you know, there was a a night a few months ago where my little boy was playing with my husband's police hat and he put it on his head. And my first initial reaction was, oh, God, no, no, don't even think about it. And um, it's hard enough for me to, you know, hustle my husband through the door every day, much less my son. So I have a very special place in my heart for these moms um, that have to live with the fact that their child is in danger um, because of his passion for his job or her passion for her job. And for me, I've gone back and forth on that. You know, if my son comes to me at 21 years old and says that he wants to be a police officer or a soldier for that matter, um, both of those are are terrifying to me as a mom, but the last thing we need to do is to discourage our, our younger generations to not carry that torch, so to speak, when, you know, our current generation continues to age like Mike, like Mike's getting older. He's hey, wait a second. That torch. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's going to have to pass that torch oh, on. I thought I heard an oncoming train. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but really, we we can't we can't discourage them from suiting up because we need them. We need we need those guys and those girls out there. And I truly believe that it's a calling. And if that's a calling that my particular child has, then I have no choice but to be brave enough to support him if he's brave enough to go support his community. There you go. See, and I I think for me. I'm going to be the most enthusiastic about it. Yes, I, I definitely go for it. Uh, there would be no qualms, even with the danger. There's danger in everyday life. And uh, honestly, I come from sort of a cop family. My mom went through academy. My grandfather was a cop. I got cousins that are cops. Uh, it's nothing new to me. That's I guess that's kind of the thing. Like I don't, I don't view it that way. And the fact that it's a noble profession. It's something that people should aspire to, to give that kind of devotion, that part of themselves to other people, to be willing to step in that line of fire, so to speak, and to suit up every day and know that they're making a difference. 
I don't think I could discourage almost anyone from doing that. I, I would love to see more people um, thinking that they had what it takes and trying to do it and doing it. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, everyone that does it is a hero in some sense, whether they're a true hero and they, they go out there and they lay it on the line every day or whether they're just patrolling the streets and making a difference and, you know, helping people find lost people or whatever it is they do. That's that's something that everyone should want to do. They should want to make that difference. So if my kid came to me and said, hey, I want to be a cop. I want to do this. Yeah, go for it. You should want to do that. I'm glad I raised you well enough that you want to give that much of yourself. Yeah. Oh, man. That was one simple question. We're on it. Yep. One simple <laughs> question. Um, I hope that and, answered Andrew's question. Uh, and he also said bonus question. Oh, <laughs> bonus question. Bonus <laughs> question. Ooh, bonus. <laughs> Would, yeah. Are there and extra like, points for this well, one? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll tally the points up at the end of the podcast. We always um, try to turn this into a competition. I don't yeah. know. Um, would, would and you Elizabeth have... always tries to rig it, by the way. <laughs> well, she's counting Not the votes true. right now. Well, she's the writer. She can just change whatever she wants to the last night. Do what you want. Um, okay, would you have felt the same way five years ago? Yes, I would. Yeah, I would too. I mean... Um... Because because character doesn't change, and the need for the need for uh, serving the community, it was there five years ago, and it'll be there five years from now. So yes, I feel the same. I think definitely. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. I wasn't a mom five years ago, so it's hard for oh, me yeah. to, to answer that. But I would probably think that I would have been a little bit naive and been like, "Oh yeah, I would be a hundred percent behind it, and I wouldn't have any doubt." But um, now that I'm a mom, I, I mean, doubt comes with the territory. You question everything all the time, and you're worried about everything all the time. So I probably would have been cooler about it five years ago without a child. So I don't know right. that my answer would be the same. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, folks, I think we're coming to uh, an end of what people will probably tolerate from us for a day, huh? Probably. probably. Well, at least... From you, I think oh, they're probably going to you. Come on, <laughs> she's uh, going to hit you with that train, man. I know. It's like uh, we're going to go ahead and disconnect Mike from the call hey, and continue listen, the podcast. Listen, there was, a, there was a, a thud when the bus went forward, and then you just put it in reverse, and there you go. Uh, well, if you if you are not sick of us yet, I think you can find us on Facebook, uh, humanizing the badge, and that's probably how you found us anyway. And then we're on camp uh, i think you put the little at symbol in the front and we're yes. getting more active on twitter and instagram just look up humanizing the badge like i did and it pops up and and youtube we do have YouTube. youtube oh yeah youtube go watch our videos they're great oh wait humanizing the that's the most important yeah, also, part yeah, also the website. <laughs> we have a <laughs> we the... have an actual website just go to Google, type in humanizing the badge, and follow the yellow brick road. That's all you got to do. Yes. And... You have to be and... careful on the yellow brick road because we have some haters out there that have made parodies of us. Yes, so... there are parody sites. And if yeah. someone's asking you for money, and it, be careful. Uh, we're not, yeah. you know, we're very going... specific about that. I was going to say, uh, you might have noticed that we did not, you know, when we were 
listing Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We didn't also list a website where we're selling merchandise. So unless you see us link to merchandise on Twitter or Facebook, then it's just some random person that decided to sell stuff with our name on it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have our own real merchandise eventually. We're just not there yet. Just not there yet. And people are impatient, so they sell their own shirts for yeah. some reason. Well, we did sell some We Seek well, yeah, we, shirts. Yeah, we, we did, have it. We, yes. And we're gonna, we, we have a design for the Humanizing the Bad shirt. We're going to have that. And we're using uh, uh, our partner, coplife.net, for that right now. But uh, hopefully soon we will be uh, off and running with our own shop. And uh, that will all be used to raise our funds and help these families like we're talking about. And hopefully yeah. in the not so distant future we'll be actually on the road visiting, you know, local police departments and in everybody's area and getting to know their communities and finding out ways that we can dig in and help. Yes. Yeah, right. actually, uh one more thing. Liz, would you mind telling them a little bit about the mission? Because I don't think we've really put that out there in the podcast yet about what we want to do with the funds we're trying to raise. Um, yeah, you know, I think that our, our main focus is to be able to, the stress in the police community is so high already um, just from being a police officer or being a part of a police officer's family. And um, when you add a sick kid into the mix, that stress increases exponentially. <clears throat> and so what we would like to do is be able to issue, you know, uh, small grants to families to help them get through um, some of those times that are a little tougher and uh, financially, and they can use those money, that money for um, whatever they need at the time. And um, so we'll have more on that going forward about how people can apply for those things. And we'll be featuring families on our website. Um, we have a little boy who is in Little Rock, Arkansas right now. His name is Braden, and uh, he's very near and dear to our heart. Um, we'll, we'll find a way where you guys can you know, help sponsor him along the way. And, um, we're really excited about it. I'm really excited about um, finding a way to help families get through this obstacle that they're facing. I don't know if that answers the question, really. Um, if anybody wants to add that, add to that. Um, I can't say it any better. That... <laughs> we want to we wanna help kids. You know, at the end of the day, that's what our, our goal is, is to help families that that are going through something like mine has in the past. And from experience, I know that the support that you get from your community and from your from people that are complete strangers that just love you because they want to understand your situation. There's nothing that helps you move forward um, better than that. So we want to be a part of that. I dig it. Yes. The way, the way I've always phrased it in my head is that we want to support law enforcement at several different levels. We support them, you know, like on an overall basis with the videos and blogs, you know, and we're putting that out for everybody. But we also go all the way down to the level of helping a specific officer and their family. So we're like on yeah. as many different levels as we can get to, you know, to give them the support and help that they that they need that they're not getting from other places. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Yeah. Uh, 
Thank you all for what or watching or listening or however you're you know taking in this podcast. Thank you for uh, giving it a listen, and we will be back with another podcast in the near future.